You're listening to Power in Practice, practical talk for living in a structured lifestyle. Hey everybody, this is Soul Hunter. You're listening to episode 12 of Power in Practice. We're going to go ahead and title this one Daddy Archetypes. It's a conversation between Flag, Daddy David, and I. And mostly we were discussing the different images or styles of daddy relationship that seem to be prevalent. And it turned into quite an interesting conversation about influences, fetishes, gender roles, and why not everybody means the same thing when they say they have or are a daddy. As a side note, we did these recordings with our brand new Zoom H2 mics. We have a pair of these things. They do a great job of recording the ambient sound in a room, and I think it's going to be a lot easier for us to get the conversational feel that we're going for at Power & Practice. I will warn you that the mics are very sensitive, so they do tend to pick up chair creaks and that sort of thing, and it's a trade-off that we're making. We're going to edit most of that out when we can, but just... uh, Be aware that you're getting better sound out of the voices, but you might be getting a little more ambient noise. There you go. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and uh, we'll see you next time. So one of the things you you mentioned you wanted to talk about while we were over here was something daddy-related, vis-a-vis maybe updating or expanding on the previous Power and Practice episode, or were you just... You're certainly under no obligation. I just... You mentioned it. expand on it somewhat. Um... Yeah, like I, I mentioned before, there's there's that age differential. There's the reverse of, of power between daddy and subordinate. I'm, I'm even starting to gravitate away from, from using boy or girl and just say charge or ward because it's more universal and doesn't have the loaded gender power of, of so people aren't going, but, but my like dad does. Charge indicates power and use of power. Ward sounds like someone who was dumped on you. Yeah, right. Charge is definitely a boarding school-esque. Yeah. Good. I, that's a, a nuance I didn't pick up on, but yeah, sounds good. Daddy and charge. And I was, I've been thinking about how natural when, when daddy has the upper hand and power in the relationship, how natural that power flows to charge as opposed to some of the other models that we use, like master and slave or dominant and submissive. Well, one of the in- inherent things there is that it, the, the one of the exceptions is that by its nature and definition, daddy charge is organic. Master slave, mistress servant, they're constructed. Yes, they exactly. have to be fashioned. Yeah. They have to be invented. And usually, with a great deal of imagination, um, that invention has to be built with without historic relevance or or. Any kind of I disagree. I don't think a great deal of imagination is used normally. I think it's required, but I don't yeah, think it's actually applied. It's not actually applied, but but in order to, to have a working construct, if you define as master and slave, 
and you're serious about using those terms, you're you're making a reference to an existing or pre-existing structure that that most people today have no experience or connection to other than fiction or history books. Whereas Daddy, um, whether or not you ever had one or got along with the one that you were somehow assigned to, does have constant model patterns. Yeah, it's in the world all around you. Even if it isn't present in your personal life, it's culturally omnipresent. The only real one of the only real differences is that um, Daddy, uh, the repulsion and uh, visceral negative reaction that some people have to master slave is just as artificial and just as constructed. It's a matter of drawing conclusions. It's a matter of forebrain. When someone has a negative reaction to daddy, it's all back brain. That's hardwired shit. Mm. Again, it's organic. So then why in the community at large is master-slave often given more value as as a power dynamic um, than, than a daddy-charge relationship? I think for two reasons. A because of the very contextual soup we're swimming in. Because daddy is everywhere, so it's not special. So, unless someone genuinely has the imagination and personal power to exploit the dynamic, you know, every mall called her gangster daddy in every bad 40s movie. You know, it's just... Yeah, I mean, a common term in popular it, music. For it's even more common than master-slave because it's a common term in everyday life and everyday existence. Master-slave is somehow special because now we're different. We have constructed this to make us different. And therefore, it's seen as somehow more powerful or better. And the second is PR. Um, I think the daddies on the whole, people who identify as a daddy... Are more laid back and probably a little more comfortable with what it is they are and what they're doing because I never ever have run across a website or listened to some idiot expounding on his magical daddy powers yeah you don't well and you don't <laughs> hear about you don't hear about daddy certification yeah you know it's but I, I also think it's very, very hard to fetishize. And remember that, you know, huge swaths of the community are really just fetishists. And it's hard to fetishize the daddy-daughter, the daddy-charge relationship without veering into territory that many, many people are very, very uncomfortable with. It's trivially easy to fetishize, heck, almost all the fetish components that, that we see as a common symbol for, you know, bondage, dominance, yada, yada, none of those things were associated with the daddy-charge relationship. You think master-slave, you think, you know, you're thinking leather, you're thinking whips, you're thinking locked in cages, you're thinking all the bondage fetish comes with that as a natural outgrowth. And it doesn't really organically come with the daddy relationship. So... 
when you've got a lot of people who are really looking to be tied to a bed, you know, and and flogged lately and then fucked, unless they're will, unless they're pretty comfortable with an incest abuse visual, they're they're not going that direction. They're going to go master slave where they can get, you know, instruction and punishment and rules and tied to stuff and. You know, they've got all that great imagery of wide open fields and guys with horses running them down and whipping them, you know. If daddy is more organic, then daddy is inherently more honest. And if daddy is inherently more honest, it's inherently more dangerous. Okay, Ken, you said a couple of things. One, the fetish aspect of leather, that the daddy charge relationship doesn't really have much of, like, daddy's charge normally doesn't wear a collar so if if those physical symbols are powerful and and required by people to feel in feel more comfortable being in the role that they assume is that why it may be perceived as being stronger because it, it gives a higher buzz to wear these things as master slave and you don't get to wear those things as daddy charge. I think the shortest distance between if if you're if you're dreaming of you know leather cuffs and elaborate Japanese rope work and you know being tied to the bed or um, for those people that are really into being objectified and and you know treated like a number or treated like a you know the classic pleasure slave fuck toy you know there's that whole fetish and of all of those almost none of them naturally lead you to a daddy relationship the shortest path between that fetish that that fantasy and its action is the imagined concept of capture and slavery and ownership or kidnapping and abuse there's all of those scenarios of being taken, overpowered, captive, you know, the cold, unfeeling hand of authority, uh, you owned know, those is usually a big word. Yeah, oh, you know, those things are all, that's prison, captivity, slave ships, pirates, that's, you know, that's a shotgun, and on the dartboard it's firing at, there's a little circle that says daddy. Because the only overlap between daddy and almost all of those is to sexualize the daddy role. And a whole bunch of people are just never going to do it. They're just, they're never going to be comfortable with it. They're, they're just not going to think of daddy as the natural word to think of the guy who ties them to the bed and fucks them. I don't understand the statement you just made. It sounded like you were making some very artificial and arbitrary dividing lines that don't exist. I'm not making them. I'm I'm questioning them and and trying to find out if it if it is not valid, but if it's something that influences our perceptions. I think the short form of why, if you put ten random DS couples in a room, I think the number of them who are using daddy as a construct is not necessarily higher than the background noise for the population as a whole. I know a whole bunch of people who have no fetish 
no power disparity to speak of, none of it. And uh, particularly in, in, you know, various cultures, the, the daddy reference is common. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, okay, usually it doesn't start until after children or, or whatever, but it's very comfortable in a way it's not really comfortable for a whole bunch of other people. And I just don't think, I think if you put eight of, you know, 10 BDSM couples in a room, the reason eight out of those 10 couples are there is because they fetishized some aspect of bondage or captivity and use it to enhance their sex life. And the easiest fantasy to go with, if they're not going to do the incest thing, is to go with kidnapping captivity. So I just don't think they naturally wind up in a daddy relationship. I think we perceive it as much more common in some of the circles we may spend time in because we're we're talking about people who have self-selected for infusive power dynamics almost entirely pervading their lives. And then it becomes a very... It's a very useful, easy construct. You're talking about people who are used to the idea of their guidance authority figures possibly also being intermixed with their fetish sex life um, over the longer term. You're John and Jane Doe, and on a Saturday night, you spend a couple hours role-playing. The only role-play that happens quick is, you know, John puts on the ski mask, kicks the door open, and you know, takes you while you're doing the dishes and the daddy equivalent to that same encounter is, you know, he comes home drunk, mom's not around to take care of him. So he bangs his daughter and a whole lot of people aren't going to go that way, you know? So we're not looking at, we don't come at the fetish community the way most of them do. So I think it's a much bigger impediment to most people than it is for, for us. That's not a weedism. That's just yeah, it's where we live. Yeah, it's 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 almost myopic in that way. You know, if it has a flaw, it's it's that. But geez, you know, out of everyone who's at Test Fest, ninety-seven percent of them are going to be at Test Fest for you know the Locking feel of the, the feel of the flogger and and you know a little bit of bondage and and some fucking, and they're already there's already a little trouble perceiving what motivates them anyway, but I can totally see why they would not necessarily be drawn to the, the daddy dynamic because all the things that I think make it useful and organic don't apply to. Well, and they may really use doing. the word. They just aren't applying the dynamic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because again, it, that's that, that very thing is an in inverse proportion to the amount of people who probably use it. You know, that very same 98%. Sure. In intimacy, they may call use it as an intimacy and would be ashamed to do it. You know, I'm still yeah, Lord yeah. Master out in public, but, you know, in private, I'm Daddy. You know, because I, both Ken and I found that Daddy had a... For us, it was a safety valve. We had invested so heavily in the power dynamic that we created unforgiving structures. And without daddy to fall back on we would have to terminate relationships we weren't ready to terminate um, so I mean but out in there that, that same 98% of, of, of flog them and fuck them are 
sure, you know, 70% of them are probably using daddy. But that 70% is still not using daddy right. the way we think about it. It's it's simply a different species. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure get an honest sampling from a whole bunch of people at a swinger party, and I'm fairly certain the term is pervasive. You know, I... Mm-hmm. I have a friend who has a tendency to do fairly well, who I won't name on tape, um, who has who has a tendency to do fairly well, you know, with girls, and and they'll they'll use the term instinctively. Not all of them, but a certain number of them just get it. They they'll come up and they'll go. He I I've heard him on the phone going, "I can't see you tonight," and when everything else fails girls, some portion of the female population goes, you know, come on, daddy, I really miss you. And they're giggling, they're fucking with his head, they're, strippers do it all the time, you know, to, to guys who are, and it's just, it's almost on some level an acknowledgement, just playing with the idea that you have something I want and I have to ask for it, you in, know. In a lot of ways, it's the same deceptive association as bloggers. I have a blogger, they've got a blogger. We're not the same animal. You know, I it's my motivations are different. My interior construction is different. Um I use daddy, they use daddy. Still not doing the same thing. Gay leather uses daddy. I'm not doing the same thing as they are either. You know, it's the use of the word in common does not dictate intent in common. And I think we, we definitely have to remember that the intent is... I know I have a... I definitely have the habit of initially coming at populations and assuming that they're looking for the same things I'm looking for. Or assuming that they're... you know, If they're not looking for what I'm looking for, I just assume they're misguided. I don't assume they have different goals. You know what I mean? But there's a whole bunch of good people in the BDSM community who are not looking for real authority relationships. They're looking for the fetish trappings of temporary That's authority. most of them. Yeah. So for the word to have any actual power, it's got to be in a relationship that power is an actual component. So there are some charges who revel in that kind of captor sex toy or, or sex slave role who can simultaneously and with the same person slip into daddy charge mm-hmm. with, with no adjustment at all. So they're not mutually exclusive. They're they're not not. No, it's just the people who can hold those concepts together and who aren't so damaged they're not worth spending time with are rare. Flag, you said something earlier. I regret not being able to write it down at the time because now I can't mm-hmm. remember it enough of it to paraphrase it, but um, I believe we were talking about the the people who engage in the master-slave dynamic and the level of, of where those masters are, the level of intensity that they're engaged in as compared to the more comfortable range that a daddy can work in. And, it's again a matter of different species. Just because someone is using the word master doesn't mean that they're doing anything at any high intensity. 
that the word does not mean anything. None of these. If any word has organic meaning, it's daddy. The rest of them are just words that we assign value to. But there's a consensus within the community of, of that, what the value of that word is. Yes, but that consensus is made entirely of surface impressions. And that consensus of the community is made up by that very same community that we have agreed is 98% of people who have no idea what the hell we're normally talking about. So, almost by definition, if it's consensus, it's probably not what we're talking about. Okay, um, maybe maybe I need to narrow down the terms a little bit by what I'm using as community. I don't I don't mean the internet chat community or even the weekend warrior. What do I want to say? Suburban playroom party on Saturday night type. Um, Specifically, I'm talking about communities Let's that... Let's use a that, word like lifestyle. That include lifestyle. Okay. The people who you would see at, at mass meetings throughout the country, people you would I see... I still see the same events. proportion of people. It's now a smaller demographic, but I still see the same proportion of people that I feel would be talking about the same thing we do. My experience has been nothing but... I have narrowed my focus step by step every time I went to tests looking for like minds and was flabbergasted to find myself alone then I ran into one guy then I went to mast because it sounded like a refinement and closer to the point the numbers of people were smaller the percentage was exactly the same yes I'm an elitist prick but I'm an elitist prick because I'm not going to say that what I'm doing is objectively better. I am saying it is objectively fewer. There are simply not many people focused on what I'm focused on. Those are the few people I feel kinship with. So what they call themselves is irrelevant. You know, out, once you leave that percentage, once you leave that pool, we're no longer speaking the same language. I've learned that the hard way. I, I tend not to get confused by words and labels. I tend not to get confused or disappointed anymore that so many of us use the same words and the same vocabulary and the same context and the same lexicon and I have just as little in common with them as I do with a houseplant. I understand totally. Um, and I agree. However, in, if I'm going to be talking about things like what the daddy paradigm is, I'm, I have to establish some kind of, of anchor point for in language yes. that we can all refer to. And once I've done that, I need to be able to refer to other anchor points that are outside of that paradigm. I think you're sabotaging yourself with your own uh, phrasing. Okay. I don't think you're ever going to be talking about what the daddy paradigm is. I think you'll be talking about what the daddy paradigm could be. Because the moment you say is, you have to cover everyone. And you can't. 
On the other hand, if you talk about what it could be, you can aspire in various directions. Your direction, someone else's direction, whatever. And you are not obliged to cover everybody and create a blanket statement on daddy because you can't. I think the rhetorical value of commonality is is underrated for these types of circumstances. I think you can say, you know, there are a lot of variations on the daddy dynamic, but here's what most of them have in common. So let's talk about the strengths of those things, which is almost the same thing as going, this is the core of it, but it's not always the core. The things things have in common is not, doesn't always have to be the most important things. It's just the common thing. I think the thing that makes the daddy dynamic different from other dynamics is, you know, is gathered around the word, that idea of sort of organic power. There's a, an idea of age disparity in some level, either real or intellectual, um, or wisdom, if you want to go that way. So there's, yeah, there's authority, guidance, the implication of teaching and the hint of responsibility that I am, I am bound to guide you. It's not just there's an option. Also, it's, it's an expectation. There's also a, there's no neutrality. It is either a hint of benevolence or a hint of malevolence, but no, there's no neutrality. Absolutely. Never being neutral. And, and I think you can look at that in the study of, of when you look at the people who get a kick out of the abusive daddy, one of the things that shows up in that, that mental game is indifference, you know, emotional distance, lack of caring is one of the things that people routinely consider to be an unforgivable sin from the father figure. You know, it is one of those things people consider abuse. And that carries over into that term for play. So you can say, I think you can say reasonably well that almost everyone who's using the daddy dynamic is going to be dealing with these concepts in common, but that doesn't define everything about your daddy dynamic. But there's enough stuff in common that we can talk about the common stuff and have something useful to say. Yeah, I don't think you can make a daddy manifesto any more than we could make a dominant manifesto. All we can do is go, this is what we do and we think is important, and this is how we perfect it. If you think that these things are important, this is how we did it. And that's the only way we cannot end up trying to pass out certifications, trying to make everybody dress the same, well, it's it's just you know it's the way to avoid the nonsense is to take into account with every phrasing that you're talking about a singular vision and that singular vision may resonate with others. Yeah, I mean one of the the, the things that I eventually wound up doing to try and short circuit a lot of the garbage in discussions on ownership. You know, people would would want to have discussions about ownership and. You can't always get away from the bullshit, but it turns out you can minimize it if you start, if you limit your discussions to the core thing that at least for you, for your purposes of discussion, if it, they don't have it, they're not talking about daddy anymore. You know, and for me, that thing in ownership was 
had a lot to do with relatively or effectively no inherent limits. That's what made ownership and dominance different, right? And that was, so if we didn't agree on at least that, we couldn't be talking about it. But if we did agree on at least that, then I, because I used to get very bogged down into the details of ownership or what I realized now were details. So I would talk to people about ownership and and every terms single of, one of them would go, Right. You can drive your car off a cliff, but you can't shove well, a slave off a cliff. And some of that is the unavoidable core. But some of it was I realized that this guy was thinking about ownership in terms of plantations. And that person was talking about owning pets in the sense that they thought of their property as, you know, dogs. And there were people who had were using the pony paradigm for ownership because they had to make that person an animal. Other people were using kidnapping. Other people got to it through purchase. And so if I got into detail about my ownership paradigm, we had nothing in common anymore. You know, because he's like, well, when you capture somebody, you're not at, at all bound to, you know, because someone would say something like, well, if I own her, I paid for her. And since I paid for her, she has value and I'm not going to ruin her. And someone who didn't have that as the core of the ownership paradigm would go in his fantasy world or, or the paradigm that was charging his life. They were a dime a dozen. He effectively grabbed her off the street and he would get rid of her and grab another one because they're everywhere. His whole thing about ownership was she had no value, no inherent irreplaceable value. So we had nothing in common to talk about if we were talking about the totality of that relationship. But we could have reasonable discussions if if you kind of drew overlapping circles for all those different ways. And then there was that thing in the middle, which when, you know, we have the power to dispose of them at our will. Not even kill. We're not talking about that. Just terminate the, the unilateral ability to terminate the relationship on our own recognizance, for instance. Was that perfect? No. Still got a lot of people that would argue, but it was as close as we got as I ever got to being able to have that discussion and keep the bullshit down to a minimum. Because if someone said, well, I don't have the unilateral ability to decide what happens to this relationship, she gets an equal say, and I'd go, and that's great. And that's dominance, maybe. But that's not ownership. Like, I can't bend any further than this. you know. But that was where I kind of got that trick of not going, this is what ownership is, and then you might embellish it. I would, if I phrased it differently and said, this is what I think the core, all the ownership relationships I've seen tend to have this in common, but it's not big enough to sketch out your relationship. It's just, if you look, you'll find something there. But, so I think you can have a lot to say on the commonalities of all the daddy experiences, but you might not be able to define the term, even in the way everybody would agree with. But at least if you go, this is what most people have in common. Even the guy who doesn't have it in common, you didn't diminish him at all. He's just in the corner of the room thinking right. he's special. I don't, I don't really want to narrow it down. I want to expand on it. I want, But I also want to bring a sense of validation for people who have made a choice and not have fallen into it by coercion or any other means to be part of a, a daddy-charged relationship. And I want to be able to include the bad daddy model, um, the nurturing or emotionally affectionate daddy model, and 
the, the daddy model who is responsible for the performance and outcome of, of who their charges. They may be the same, or they could be very different relationships. See, I'm again confused because, well, I guess I can see it if you're looking at that perceived mass market value daddy versus master thing you were talking about. Mm -hmm. Because not only do all the, the people who I know who actually identify as daddies not need validation, but daddy is the one title that nobody can demand validation. You know, when they start wanting to see our your master's certificate, there is never going to be anybody who's going, are you a qualified daddy? It's immune from that. I don't mean validation that way. I, I think I, I want daddy to be accepted on its own terms as an equal player in the, the power dynamic world. I, I think it is. Well, I, all right. It, I guess this is a loaded statement, but the way I'm looking at it is I think it is by the people who matter, and I think the people who don't matter will never. Because anybody we know so wrapped. Exactly. We know but this, my but point I'm, being is if that's true, if that's true, there is nothing you can do with someone who is so wrapped up in the idea of mastery and has pretentious issues about mastery you are not going to be able to change his perspective. The guy who I kind of came into the scene with, when I adopted Sir, he thought I was crazy. He could not, for the life of him, understand why I demean myself by choosing to be called Sir. It simply didn't equate to him. Because you made a choice that was what? That was not his choice. He thought that Master had weight and significance above and beyond a word. And there's nothing in the world you're going to be able to do to change those people's minds. Any more than you'd be able to change the mind of a female supremacist. It's just, when I've been on the test board, one of the things I realized is every SIG group feels put upon and disadvantaged. <laughs> Everybody feels that they've got their own special cross to bear. And those are SIGs in an organization that, and every organization of its type believes they are put upon and, mm -hmm. you know. So, you know, the, the, the sub-men feel they've got this cross to bear, the dom women have that cross to bear, the dominant men have this cross to bear, and every subdivision has their cross to bear. And here I am sitting on my elitist tower, and I've got my cross to bear. There aren't enough of my kind. I am so alone, but for this small <laughs> handful of people whom I can respect, and then I am surrounded by the teeming millions of unwashed gimps. Okay, it's... There's no... You're not going to change anything. problem with elitism is everybody is one. Right. Even the losers. I don't, I don't know if if my goal is to change anybody. Just 
Um, I think what you could really be very successful doing yeah. is creating a daddy manifesto outlining some of the genuine organic powers of the daddy charge relationship and leave it at that. I, yeah, I think you can do a good job. I think th- the thing we've learned collectively is the only thing we can do. I think you can do a decent job of shooting up a flare so that all the lonely daddies who don't, you keep, cause you keep saying validation, you know, and, and, and you keep saying that that's, that's one of the goal, the things you want. But I, I really get the feeling what you're trying to do is, you know, you have this image of a couple of guy of somebody out there who has this thing running around and he's not getting any respect and he's got no one to talk to and he doesn't know if he's, you know what I mean? Like if there are others like him. And I think you can do a really good job of shooting that flare up in the air and gathering the people that get what you're saying out of the woodwork so that they can talk to each other. And in the end, I, after fighting it for 14 and change years, you know, that's as good as it's getting. And, and that's cool. And the nice thing about that is you no longer have to try and figure out how to build your message so that you can reach the maximum amount of people. You craft your message for the people you think need to hear what you have to say. Right. And it goes by and past nine out of ten people in the room and fuck them. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's... I'm not, I'm not expecting or hoping for anything more than that. I just want to be able to, to bring it to join the table with the rest of the big dogs who are sitting there. I mean, we have countless of organizations for for mast and other master slave related special interest groups there are you know the, the sash circuits and what have you I don't I don't want any part of that but but just looking at that shows that there is there are people who are talking about the dynamic that, that they're engaged in and having discussions about Ranges and possibilities. So you're thinking like, are are you thinking an organization like Mass for Dads? Not at all. Not at all. Because I'm trying to figure out what the acronym for Dads would be. Yeah, no. I'm just thinking how many incest fetishes you get instead. Yeah, that's bad. I didn't say that (laughs) on the record. Uh, (laughs) If we combine that with my doorway idea, this could be a good thing. What I want to do is is as you say, like put out a beacon or, or something where the knee-jerk reaction when a, a daddy-charge relationship is, is starting to be discussed is that it is a, a power dynamic relationship that is less than the master-slave relationship. And it doesn't have to do with elitism. So, well, maybe it has to do with elitism, but it doesn't have to do with people who are or being pompous in their definition of their own master-slave relationship. It has more to do with asking somebody, as, as I've asked one of your girls, did it feel like a demotion when you went from, right. from this to daddy-girl? Did, did that feel like you know it was an upgrade, or did it feel like a downgrade, or what was that? And it was... It was interesting to hear what the response was, even though that perception has changed over time with with more. Yeah, one of the things that one of the things it started out calling her a tree frog, 
and then changed it, she would have thought it was a demotion. <laughs> it was the change. Yeah. That was not the, the words. Well, but Often, I think one of the reasons why I think okay. one of the reasons if I can just get out of my head while I'm, one of the reasons why you might see the daddy dynamic not getting a full vote at the table per se, it does. But it's it's split in ways that make it impossible for it to show up at the table. You'll get an enormous number of people who are doing a daddy dynamic, but when they go to a party, they're not going as daddy, they're going as master. It is the formal expression of their power dynamic. So they don't bring it. They don't bring daddy to parties, you know, and, and they don't bring it to test meetings and they don't do classes that way. Flip side, an enormous number of people who I think would otherwise be drawn to a daddy dynamic are siphoned off by dramatically more daddy-like master definitions. There's this whole master, mm-hmm. owner, educator, guider, yeah, you know, parental figure, I have what's best for you in mind. And that whole thing is a construction of a daddy figure that you can fuck without people thinking you're creepy. That's, you know, that's really interesting because that, that kind of delineates exactly where the dividing line is in my head. Whenever I start reading somebody's litany of a master should be this and benevolent and keep and gentle and hold her like a kitten in his hands and this and that and the other thing. You're right. What they're saying is, daddy, they're using the wrong word. And if they use the right one, would you react as so would you react as badly to the same if thing? If they use the right word, I'd fucking cheer for them. Right. But they're using a word that intrudes on my life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there's a reason why the the daddy dynamic in full bloom doesn't generally push its way to the front of the line when the dynamics are, you know, talking at the table because I think. I think people bring their more form. What you're trying to think about in your head or what part of what you're saying now that you've, you've pointed it out is, you know, I don't think it's that they're ashamed of it. I just, again, I think the types of activities they engage in when they're in groups of other people in the community are not things that fit comfortably into the daddy dynamic as most of them in its most natural form. You know, if I'm taking a girl to a formal BDSM function. Let's say I want to be, I want to try and impress my BDSM buds, right? So I put her in the the most fetish sexual outfit you know, I have. It's not even I want to impress. It's I want to belong. I want to look like I know what I'm doing. I want to look like I fit in. And and I think that's true. That's I, I use, yeah, I use the, I think the belonging is the manifestation of the group you're projecting an per- image for impress for peers, right for acceptance and that could be impressive that mm-hmm. could be yeah and 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 but you know you look at those things that especially if you're new or, or whatever you're gonna do and i did them all you know i'm going to hellfire tonight if i'm going to hellfire and i'm most people and i'm daddy and i have no other 
path to express my authority, then we throw some clothes on and we go to Hellfire. You know, we just go. Because I am who I am. In its general sense, daddies do a whole bunch of things. At its organic core, the core at its at its core organic, the thing that I think makes people who have never been to a BDSM fetish thing or never read certain types of porn still want to call their boyfriend daddy. There's nurture, there's protection, there's education, there's guidance, there's organic. You know, it's you you are in that relationship or you're not. Unless you're willing to add some overtones to that relationship that are distinctly uncomfortable for a lot of folks. There's nothing that that lets me do to take that girl out and have her be very impressive at a fetish event. Daddies don't, under most circumstances, you know, put the girl in the leather bustier and the shortest skirt she has, put her on the high heels, tell her not to talk to me during the evening, and have her kneel by the side of the table. And all those things are very powerful in their own way. And they're in conflict with the daddy image. So you're driven away from it. I think you're driven away from it when you're going out. And I think you'll find that a lot of people who don't talk about daddy relationships at test meetings or mass meetings do it at home almost all the rest of the time, even if they would identify themselves as masters and slaves. When I first came out to test, I spent a couple of months just doing what I saw other people doing. I think a lot of people don't ever get past that. Again, back to my 98 percentile idea, I think most of them don't ever get past that. And I think for a good chunk of them, that's a goal in itself. I get to be doing what everyone else is doing. I fit in. I belong because I have the leather vest with a pin on it. I belong because I master somebody. I belong because I have a flogger. I belong because I have a girl. To take daddy, it's true because of the disparity in that lowest common denominator perception. I think taking daddy as a primary identity is an act of bravery in that you are not accepting that Peer group pressure. That peer group pressure. And the best thing you can do is simply do it and be it. I mean, when Ken and Sir and I went to Tess, it was a hounding pack of safety Nazis. And over the years, we made our presence known and we did our presentations and we simply were. And 10 years later, they're doing edgier programming. They've got a progressive dungeon at Test Fest. You make it. You make your difference by example. When I write TFT, I'm not aiming it to everybody because it isn't for everybody. It's for the tiny, tiny, tiny subdivision of a subdivision. Anybody else could enjoy it. Anybody else might even think that that means that, but it probably doesn't. Ken brought up uh, some interesting points in his last. The last things that he said, but I find them peculiarly focused on heterosexual male dominant He mm-hmm. talks about you know the uncomfortableness of the uh, incest factor and, and well, certain things of the uh, gay dynamics entirely different. But and and daddy is so much more comfortable there. Daddy is 
exceedingly common and comfortable there. Leather Daddy came from there. Right. Um, but is it? But does it share the same status as Leather Master? And if not, why? I don't think they're measured by the same yardstick, and I think that yardstick is artificial. I don't. It think is. It, I don't think it exists. Well, <clears throat> I, I will say that I. You ask any given person, and all I can tell you is the person who goes, "Well, master means more than daddy," is a person I stop listening to. Yeah, I don't. I don't know many of those people. I do know people that will say something like, "I have heard people will say something like, mastery takes more work than being daddy." And by a lot of their, in some ways, by a lot of their yardsticks, that's probably even true. Because again, if mastery, if <clears throat> if, if daddy is more forgiving, right? It's guidance. It's yeah. most of the time, you know, daddy is dieting, mastery is going to the gym. It's that idea, you know, daddy's guiding, master's training. You almost never hear about daddy training me to do anything. In the het world, flip side, that there's that inherent bifurcation I keep mentioning that I see people do. I don't see any of that, generally speaking, in the gay community. It's absolutely acceptable for the gay leather daddy to tell the boy to shut the fuck up, hit his knees, and sit until I'm done talking to you. The daddy figure himself is a wrathful Greek god. Yeah. I not mean, a nurturing father figure. It's eroticized, <clears throat> it's powerful, and it's on point. And I think a lot of that existence. has to do with your gay males are male. The relationship between boys and their father when they're growing up is not the relationship of a daughter to her father. So when they eroticize daddy later... It's the authoritarian guidance to be emulated. He is more of what I want to be. He's more of a man than me. He's tougher than me. He's trying to... It's always in relation to me. He is more and I am diminutive. You know, because that's the boy to his dad. If, especially if you're going to eroticize it later in play. Uh -huh. The female's not in competition with dad to be what dad is. You know, he's her protector. He's all that stuff. So I don't think there's nearly the bifurcation in the gay world, because I think in the het world, you a lot of people have to bifurcate it. A lot of guys who are thinking of the girl in front of him as, their, as his girl are not going to reach out and slap her for speaking wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of dads absolutely will reach out and slap a mouthy kid, a mouthy boy. So I, I think the het world... A lot of people have to split to keep their to, to keep their sanity or avoid crossing their natural line. I don't think that's that conflict exists in the gay world. That's really interesting. And interestingly enough, in the lesbian community, it's the gay model. And I think because if a if a female with a female partner is eroticizing herself and her daddy, unless you're talking about a butch femme split then you're you're looking at the gay male model. I'm imagining myself as a boy and I'm relating to a male. Right. Yeah, that's what and then you've got the gay leather daddy. It's competition. It's, it's right. But if you're talking femme butch, you've almost always got the hetero. Yeah. Wow, that is great. That is really crystal. Thanks for that. It'll be interesting. Um, we have an, un, an, an interesting uh, anthropological opportunity for you at Test Fest. Um, because not only are there going to be a lot of people that are be watching, I'm going to have 
two people I'm daddy to there. Um, I'm no longer her sir, but I'm still her daddy. And I am without a doubt no longer on paper her sir, but am still her daddy. Because that's the one that other relationships couldn't eradicate. We put the formal stuff aside to keep everybody comfortable and to let life go on, but the organic stuff was not going to change and nobody's discomfort was going to change that. And right in front of you, you're going to have daddy little girl and daddy and his boy. You know, and, and the only reason I pointed out is because unlike strangers, you can actually stare or take notes or ask questions or drag them aside and ask questions. You know, do as much anthropology on it as you want because I, they're both really solidly valid examples of differences in the dynamic mm-hmm. and similarities in the dynamic. So, with being your boy, in contrast to, would your responses be as different as your responses would be to t- as what Ken had just outlined? Absolutely. Um, I was. Uh, I've probably told the story before about someone watching me play with and someone else and how different it was. The responses are entirely different. I have a comfort level in person around and it's not even in a playful way with I push her your I bully I bully and it's playful I'll push around get your ass over here punk get that done why because I expect things from my boy they're standards from your boy he's a flighty little pixie and the standards are both very high and very low, all depending on what particular thing we're asking about. My boy, my standards are pretty fucking universal. Because every time he stumbles, he gets the look that says, man up, punk. There's there's just so much power in the standards. Yeah, there is. Huge amount. It's built in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely organic and genuine. Wow. I think that's great material. Thank you both. You've been listening to Power in Practice. Join us for more episodes at www.powerinpracti.com.